It's that time again. Back in the InvestWell studios to share some insight and content and just thoughts really to help you protect, grow, and reduce taxes on your wealth. I'm your host, Michael Wall. Joined today's wealth, Randy Cook in studio. And we're talking about some things on this podcast that are absolutely crucial to your money. You know, every show we try and mix it up and talk about some different things, whether it's a holistic planning to topics of the day, timely issues, whatever it may be. And today's no different. We want to take a few moments on this podcast and talk to you about the idea of what's going on in the world today in relation to the markets. You know, we saw a big down drop. Everybody's talking about it. But we want to kind of take a little bit of a different angle and take all of these bits and pieces and fragments of you know, information that you may be hearing and receiving and kind of put them together in a nice little bow, right? So you can walk away from this show and say, okay, I know that there's things going on, but what does that really mean? And number three, really, how does it affect me? That's what we're going to do today, Randy. And I think that's important because, you know, there's so many talking heads, there's so much information being shared out there. People are like, okay, well, I hear this and I hear that and I hear this and I hear that and I hear this and I hear, what should I do or what is right? Should I stop? Should I go? You know, I don't know. Well, anybody who watches the headlines also does a little reading. And as you watch the market drop and shed 4,000 points and a 13% drop and you see your money going down, you wonder, okay, what's next? You know, Mm -hmm. what's what's coming? You know, I I found one article that says, what happens after a correction, a 10% pullback? And it says, hold fast because most of the time within four months, it irons itself out. So you could Mm -hmm. say, okay. But what if you continue to lose money and you don't have the patience for that? Yeah. That's a hard position to be in. Well, there's several factors, and we're going to talk about some of that today on the show that I think you're going to want to dial in with that you really need to be thinking about. And this show's really all wrapped around a little bit of where is your faith when it comes to your wealth and your investing? Because I think that's at the underpinning core of it all. But you're exactly right. And, you know, even that stat that you gave there, Randy, you know, if you get a 10% correction, it takes four months to get back. Think about that just from a, a surface perspective. You know, the markets dropped significantly. Most of the drop happened in one week, mm-hmm. five days. Mm-hmm. And yet those five days of correction takes four months to recover, 120 days to recover. So think about that just from a from that perspective. And that's why, you know, when you saw the big crash in 2008, for those of you that are listening to this or pretty much all in the market, you know, many people, it took three, four, five years to recover. And that's a big, big deal when you take a look at what that means with the monies. You know, one of the things that we know right now, Randy, at the end of 2019, the overall corporate debt level hit an all-time high. So the corporate debt at the end of 2019, corporate, obviously companies, right? The amount of debt that they were in, was around 13 and a half trillion. You put that into perspective, that's like 65% of the GDP. It's a big deal, it's a big number. And so we really wanna be looking at what that looks like. We know that bond rates, you know, the 10 years all time low, there's a lot of other factors that are happening. We're watching the moving average, the 200 day moving average, the 50 day moving average of the S&P. It's broken some uh, floors, if you will, broken through some floors, which are bearish signs and signals. So there's a lot of things that we're looking at here, along with the fact that we are literally in still, even though we had a little bit of a pullback period, we're still kind of at the tail end of the longest bull run in the history of of the country. And so we look at all of those things and that's a big, big issue. And, you know, Randy, a lot of times people try and label this to certain things. You know, we've heard stuff coming out now about the coronavirus and 
different things. And we've heard probably if you've listened to some of the talking points or, or different things being said, people are discussing about how, you know, the flu actually kills more people every year than this. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's all of these different things. I got this little post somewhere. I don't know. Somebody posted it on social media. I think it was Facebook. And I copied it down. I thought it was kind of funny. And it goes through this. It says, it goes by year, right? And it's how we kind of, the media overkills everything. They yep. blow everything up and make it yep. sound like, oh, the world's going to end, right? So there's this little run, <laughs> little this little rundown. And it shows in the year 2000, the tagline of that year, the year 2000 was, Y2K is going to kill us all. <laughs> in 2001, anthrax is going to kill us all. Uh-huh. In 02, West Nile virus is going to kill us all. In 03, SARS is going to kill us all. Wow. In 05, the bird flu is going to kill us all. Mm-hmm. In 06, E. coli is going to kill us all. Yep. In 08, the bad economy is going to kill us all. In 09, swine flu is going to kill us all. <laughs> In 2010, BP oil is going to kill us all. <laughs> In 2012, the Mayan calendar is going to kill us all. Oh, my gosh. In 13, North Korea is going to kill us all. In 14, Ebola virus is going to kill us all. In 15, Disney measles and ISIS are going to kill us all. In 16, Zika virus is going to kill us all. And, of course, 2020, the coronavirus is going to kill us all. And then the end tagline is here, but really, fear is killing you. Turn off the TV. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, isn't that the truth? Yep. Absolutely true. You know, I mean, on the other side of that, you and I sat down and we talked about the eerie similarities between this year and back in 2001. Yeah. And we had, you know, we had an impeachment going on. We had a SARS virus going on. We had that going on. And I was looking at some of the numbers there and the SARS virus did affect the market. It had two or three different 6% pullbacks. So I thought, okay, that's kind of interesting. And then Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday came and I said, well, there's 6%. Oh, 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 there's 12%, you know, and you wonder if it's going to continue on. We got to get a handle on it, but I absolutely agree with you about the over San Francisco right now has declared a state of emergency. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why? What is that? You know, I think the news media, they live on creating fear in our lives. Well, what's happened, Randy, is this. You're in a situation where you have these politicians. And first off, the media is looking for any way possible, any way possible to take Trump down. Mm -hmm. Any way possible. Now, I'm not saying that this is a direct attack on him per se or not, but, you know, they're going to start talking about how they think he's doing a poor job at everything. So why wouldn't they talk about how he's doing a poor job at this as well? I mean, that should be no surprise, first off, okay? Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's interesting. You know, what happens is, is they're literally in a place where they create the problem. Now, they didn't create the coronavirus. I'm not saying they did. It's a global thing. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't take precautions and things like that. But I think things are blown out of whack. So, yeah, I think what happens is, and there's a clip that you were going to play, Randy, which I thought was good, just kind of talking about, you know, let's not necessarily do the same thing we've done before and buy the bounce. Let's talk about that. Many times when the market goes down, Wall Street sits there and waits and they say, okay, at what point is it a bargain? When when can I go in there and flood some money in? And this is the chief investment officer, the economic advisor over at Allianz. His name is Mohammed El Arian, and he's been on TV quite a bit lately and he's saying wait on this one don't necessarily buy the dip i would say continue to resist as hard as that is to simply buy the dip because it has worked in the past i understand that the path of this resistance for this market is to bounce up because that's what it's been conditioned to do but i stress this is different interesting yeah 
I really believe that. And by the way, if you're not familiar with Allianz, it's not quite as much of a household name here in America. It's starting to be a little bit more, but they're originally from Berlin and uh, they've been around since 1890. They have about one trillion in assets, you know, insurance companies and, uh, you know, just regular investment assets and things like that all over the world. And so I really agree with that. It's a big issue. And again, you know, I kind of mentioned a little bit in the beginning here about the corporate debt. And the reality is just over half, about 51% of all new investment grade bonds were rated triple B, the lowest investment grade rating available. And so this corporate debt, that's 51%. That's that's what it's owning. These are serious problems. and, And that's something that's been unwrapped. The other thing that we have to look, and I've talked about this, Randy, in times past, is the idea of not just the corporate debt, but the idea of how much paper is out there in the market today, you know, from the Fed printing monies, uh, from QE and all of that stuff. And this is a, a big, big problem. You know, there's a conversation uh, as well again this year about reducing rates again. And at some point in time, the interest rates have to rise. And that's why, you know, I think there's been conversation in the past about this whole idea of hyperinflation and where that comes from. And, you know, it's interesting. Biblically, the Bible talks about it, that in the end times, a day's wage will be worth the value of a loaf of bread. Mm. And, you know, when you see some of these things happening, you see some of the things that could be going on and occurring in the future. It's, it's not unlikely. You know, and when you think about repressing the interest rate, think of it like this. Think of it having, I guess, the best analogy. Let's say you had a pencil. And let's say you had a rubber band. And you stretched that rubber band out and it was tied to the pencil, but you stretched it out and then you started wrapping it around the pencil, you know, keeping it stretched and keeping it nice and firm as you wrap it around the pencil and you wrap it and 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 you hold it tight. Well, as soon as you let that band go, it's going to unravel pretty quickly, right? And that's kind of the same idea as what we're going to see, I believe, in a lot of ways with interest rates and inflation as it actually starts to hit the system. Because, you know, in relation to interest rates in general, they've been repressed, but we have still seen to some degree, you know, inflationary things happen. And and what I mean by that is all you got to do is take a look at the cost of goods and services just in general. I mean, look at what the cost of gasoline is per gallon today versus what it was 10 years ago. And I know there was a season where it was up, you know, three, four dollars a gallon back in, you know, mid 2014, 2015. But it's kind of gone back down. And back in the late 2008, 2009 years, it was much lower than it is today. You know, the cost of a lot of other things are up. And so, I mean, look at the cost of healthcare. look at the cost of education, look at the cost of all of these other things, and they've been a little bit of anomalies, really rising significantly over time as well. But, you know, it really leads us to the fact of simply this. And this is what I wanted to kind of really address and dive into today with your money. So the question still is out there, what should I do? We're going to talk about that in a second. But before I talk about what you should do or what you should think about doing, I want to challenge you with this. Where is your faith? Really? Now, you may say, well, what does that have to do with money? Well, it has a lot to do with money. You know, the Bible says that where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. And when you think about that, if you were in a place where you had a heart attack when the market was going down significantly, 1,000 points, 900 points, you're like, ah, what are we going to do? I was just having a conversation with somebody the other day, and they were just like, man, I lost a lot of money. What's going to go on? Is it going to bounce? I hope we're okay, whatever. So they're literally, their entirety of their life existence is wrapped up in what's happening with their portfolio. Now, I'm not saying that we should just put our head in the sand and not worry about it. What I am saying is that you need to make sure that you have comprehensive planning, well-rounded planning, 
and really be in a situation where you're thinking about what you're doing. And if what you've always done is concerning you and scaring you, you probably need to look at doing something differently. And then the bigger perspective is really understanding that, especially if you're a believer, right? To be in a place where you're saying, okay, you know what? Number one, I can't control what goes on in the future. I can make better decisions. I can become a better steward. Those are all my responsibilities. So if you're in a place where you need to get a second set of eyes on your wealth or, you know, you're not maybe having the well-rounded plan like you need to, sometimes, you know, you may say, well, I don't know if I have a well-rounded plan. Well, what's the best way to find out? Well, the best way to find out is get a second opinion with a firm that does well-rounded plans. And then you can say, now I, now I know what I didn't know, right? You don't know what you don't know. And so, but in that process, be evaluating where is your faith? Who are you trusting in? Are you trusting in God as your provider? Or are you trusting in your money as your provider? You know, we can't take it with us. We want to make sure that we're aligning it correctly. And I think, Randy, that's something that drives a lot of people down the wrong road as they start to live with this overwhelming fear and anxiety. And they don't really need to do that because they're in a situation where their faith is in the wrong place. Well, when an event like this takes place, and you mentioned the person who came to you and said, holy cow, I'm losing a lot of money, you start to look at yourself and you start to doubt yourself, and then you start to say, well, maybe my faith with my money is all placed in me, and maybe I should get a little help along the way, and it should be placed someplace else. Well, that's exactly right. You want to have someone that's got the correct lens. I mean, think about it like this. The last thing you want to do, I, I just had this past week, you know, I took my son and he actually had a compound fracture on his pinky finger and the bone actually, he was in Taekwondo and the bone actually busted through his nail of wow. all things. Oh, it's horrible. You know, 10 year old justice. And uh, so I'm out at a little dinner event for the historical society here in Palm Beach. And my wife texts me and, you know, hey, I need you, whatever. So I call her and she's like, you got to come home right now. I'm like, what's going on? I'm in the middle of a, you know, what's happening here? So I, I went home and I got justice and I took him in and, you know, we're sitting in there. We're in the ER, one of the most wonderful places to be. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Randy, I had the luxury of sitting in a hard plastic chair at the ER for about five hours while they were waiting to put us in our room. It was just a tremendous experience. Uh. Luckily, justice was in like a little kind of stretcher type bed and he was able to go to sleep. So around four in the morning, mm. you got a knock at the door and there's the nurses saying, hey, we're ready to move you into the room. They were cleaning the room. I'm like, how does it take you five hours to clean a room? But, you know, that's neither here nor there. So anyways, we moved into the room and the next day we, well, not next day, same day, really, we woke up and he ended up having surgery on that finger. They had to set it, put a pin in it and all of these other things. But can you imagine if I was connecting there with the doctor and obviously I want to know who the doctor is and I want to know a little bit of their experience and I want to know, you know, some of those things for sure. But once I found out some of those things, you know, I'm relying on them. I'm relying on the fact that they know what they're doing and they know what's going on. And, and just because they're a doctor doesn't mean that there's, they're necessarily the doctor that I want to connect with. I want to make sure I understand some credentials and what's their process, what's their planning, what's some of their history, what have they done in the past and all of those things. I did my homework and then we say, yeah, okay, sounds good. Let's do this. And now I'm shifting my concern or fear or thoughts or whatever on what should be done here to the doctor because that's what they do. Mm-hmm. But the key there is, is I was confident in the fact that he had a, a good strategy and plan. And, you know, when you look at your finances and, you know, he was an orthodox that focused on on those types of things. And, you know, just as we know that there's doctors that focus on, 
you know, different things, brain surgery and tumors and, you know, heart doctors and, you know, all of these other kind of doctors that specialize in certain things. In the financial industry, the challenge that's become is you got all these financial folks, these financial people, these financial firms out there, Randy, that don't specialize. They're just kind of helping everybody. And so it can cause unnecessary concern. So let's talk about what you should do now. Well, when you look at your investments, I think the first thing that you have to evaluate is where are you in your stage of life? Because there's really only two stages. You have your working and growing stage where you're saving money, you're investing money, and then you have your retirement stage. And I think you gotta ask yourself the question, where are you in that stage? Now you might be kind of teetering kind of right in the middle, maybe in your late 40s, early 50s, late 50s. And you're like, well, I'm kind of coming close to my almost retirement stage. That's where I am. Well, in that scenario, you know, you want to grow, but you also make sure that you have another lens of protection. And so I think right now, one of the things my suggestions would be is you don't necessarily want to jump in when the fire is hot, when there's a lot of turbulence. Wait until you know that the storm has subsided a little bit. And right now we're in the storm. I don't see anything wrong with if you haven't sold out a little bit, I don't see anything wrong with taking uh, and selling some positions because you've probably hopefully still made some gains over the last four or five or six years if you're all in the market. Taking some of those gains off the table and just looking at it as an opportunity where you know maybe you won't have to pay as much money in taxes because some of the gains have, have subsided, they're going away. Mm -hmm. But you're taking some gains off the table and, uh, you know, maybe you leave a little bit of the portfolio in the market, maybe 40, 50%, but you take some gains off the table as an option if you're out there in the market doing your thing. And I think the second thing, we talk about this a lot, Randy, but it's just the idea of just getting a, a second set of eyes, giving different types of planning. What type of planning are you doing? So here's another question. What type of planning are you doing with your investments or are being done with your investments other than just the market? Do you have any investments or products or any types of things in your portfolio that are different than just the market? Now, when I say the market, I'm talking about stocks, bonds, ETFs, mutual funds, things like that. Is that all you have in your portfolio? Because if it is, I can tell you there's a lot of other things out there that can help you diversify, reduce risk, and yet still have opportunity. So I think those are a couple things you want, want to be thinking about is maybe taking some profit, number one, and then number two, being in a situation where you rethink how your portfolio is positioned. Well, I think that uh, this is probably a good red flag for many of us because Wall Street can tend to lull you asleep a little bit with their gains and get mm -hmm. you kind of complacent. But then that wake-up call could get pretty loud when it actually does take place and they pull back. The market does pull back, and we saw it this past week with 4,000 points in one week. The biggest drop that we've seen, the quickest drop we've seen in 70 years. Yeah. And they're talking, you know, they're making comparisons to 2008. So that should get your attention, especially if you're in that phase, as you say, Michael, getting closer to retirement. Well, and as we're recording this show right now, Randy, it's, you know, March 2nd at 11. 17 a.m. Eastern time, and I'm looking at the Dow right now, and it's up 569 points. So it's bounced, right? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you know, a 569 point bounce, which is up 2.2%, people are like, oh, okay, it's coming back. I'm going to be good. Everything's okay. Well, the market was down 13. Mm -hmm. So we're only back up two. And when you look at math, you know, if you lose 10, you don't have to, you don't make 10 to get back to even. You got to make a little over 11. If you lose 30, you got to make 43. So this is really important. And sometimes these things can be called a little bit of a dead cat bounce where, you know, we have a big drop. 
it bounces back, but there's really no juice in the bounce enough to keep it moving forward. Polit- you know, we got a political election year. We got all these things going on. I think it's a good idea, in my opinion, to kind of keep some powder dry, reevaluate and do what you're doing. So we got some articles out there talking about how higher net worth families need a different style of wealth management, how to find the right advisor if you're so inclined and you want help with your investments. These are some articles that I've written that have been published through the Forbes organization and they're available. You can either search my name, Michael Wall, W-A-L-L in Forbes. So Michael Wall Forbes, and you can find them or Feel free to reach out to us at leanonthewall.com. Again, leanonthewall.com, and we'll make sure we get you those articles. Some other videos that we've done just to kind of help you evaluate what you should be doing, educate yourself, and get you to the place where you can make better choices and decisions with your investments. Well, as always, we appreciate you taking a few moments and, and joining us in the process on this show. Hope that added value to you. Hope you had a little fun along the way. And if it's encouraged you, we'd love to get your feedback and results and response, really, via comments and ratings. And feel free to share. We want to invite you to share this show with someone that needs to hear it. Maybe they just need to calm down and, you know, get the right perspective in mind of what really to do. And remember, we need to be in a situation where our faith should not necessarily just be in our money, but really be in the creator that has the ultimate plan for our lives. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. God's got a plan for your life. And if you dial into the Lord and dial into his plans for you, you'll have much more confidence along the way and not be scatterbrained and concerned about the noise that the world creates as we move along. As always, our goal in life is to help you live on purpose so you can live with purpose. Hope you have a blessed day. We'll talk to you next show. Any client experiences discussed during this show are unique to that client. They are not meant to imply or suggest you will experience the same results. By contacting us, we'll review aspects for your retirement portfolio to include suggestions about how to best utilize stocks, bonds, life insurance, annuities, and other financial products, or if changing management styles is appropriate for your specific needs and objectives. Michael Wall is an investment advisor representative of U.S. Private Wealth, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Financial professionals are not licensed in all 50 states. To find out if Michael Wall is licensed in your state, please contact his office. Wall Private Wealth Inc. is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal advice. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Michael Wall, NPN license number 733 0010.